Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, if you can believe it, more layoffs in gaming. Big layoffs at Sony. We might see Meta's first AR glasses later this year. The big hack affecting U.S. pharmacies. Hopin enters the Deadpool. And yet another startup takes a swing at delayed gratification gimmicks for social media. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Another day, another one of these sad announces. Sony plans to lay off around 900 employees, or 8% of its workforce, at its Sony PlayStation division. They're also going to close the London studio for PlayStation in the UK. Sony says these layoffs will impact game makers Insomniac, Naughty Dog, and Gorilla, three of its most successful subsidiaries as well. So, the employment situation in games continues to be a bloodbath quoting The Verge. Several PlayStation studios are affected, with Sony closing its London studio in the UK, which developed PlayStation VR games. Sony's Fire Sprite Studio, which is also impacted, is the British studio behind PlayStation VR's Horizon Call of the Mountain game. Sony revealed last week that it's working on PSVR 2 support for PC. In a separate note, Herman Holst, head of PlayStation Studios, confirmed US-based studios like Insomniac Games and Naughty Dog are also affected alongside Sony's Guerrilla Studio based in the Netherlands. The layoffs come just days after Sony missed a PS5 sales target, which led to Sony's stock price plummeting by $10 billion. While the PS5 outlook wasn't what Sony was expecting, analysts also pointed toward a near-decade-low games margin, suggesting that the cost of making games is eating into Sony's gaming margins. Sony president Hiroki Totoki discussed the opportunity to grow PlayStation games on PC earlier this month, too, and it looks like Sony is throwing more resources at its PC and mobile effort." End quote. Well, I mentioned it obliquely yesterday, Microsoft investing in Mistral AI. Microsoft has revealed that their investment in Mistral was a mere 15 million euro, but also admitted EU regulators plan to analyze the investment. Quoting Bloomberg, Mistral develops algorithmic models similar to those from OpenAI used for chatbots and other AI services, but Mistral models are shared openly. Microsoft's investments will convert into equity as part of Mistral's next funding round. In artificial intelligence, Microsoft has worked mostly with OpenAI, investing roughly $13 billion in that California startup. That relationship is now under scrutiny from regulators in the UK and EU. A European Commission spokesperson said Tuesday that regulators will analyze Microsoft's investment into Mistral AI after having received a copy of the agreement. The move could eventually lead to a formal investigation potentially scuppering Microsoft's plans, end quote. Sources say Meta is going to reveal and demo, but not launch, the first version of its AR glasses, codenamed Orion. It's going to do this during its Connect Developer Conference in the fall, quoting Business Insider. The company's first version of what's considered true AR glasses, an internal project referred to as Orion, is poised to be revealed this fall, most likely during Meta's annual Connect conference for third-party developers. The AR team is also being pushed to have the high-tech glasses demoed during Connect, so there's internal pressure to ensure a high level of performance, according to two people familiar with the plans, whose identities Business Insider has confirmed, but who asked to remain anonymous so they could speak freely. One of the people said, that while the AR glasses wouldn't be for sale to the public after the reveal, a handful of employees have already been experimenting with advanced prototypes. A demo of the new product could generate industry excitement around Meta's expensive work in high-tech wearables. 
The AR glasses are a separate product from Meta's better-known Ray-Ban smart glasses and Quest headsets. The Orion project has been in the works for several years under Meta's Reality Labs division, which handles AR and virtual reality work at the company, along with artificial intelligence and all Metaverse-related projects. AR glasses overall are a major part of Meta's plans as a wearables and hardware business. The Verge reported that Meta planned to release a version of the new AR glasses to early adopters sometime in 2027 as part of a multi-year roadmap for wearables. So far, Meta's AR glasses are costly to produce, much less sell at retail." End quote. Apparently, hackers have disrupted services at U.S. pharmacies for the past six days now, so that passes the threshold I always talk about. And sources say the Black Cat ransomware gang is behind the outage at United Health's technology unit that is causing this problem, since Black Hat is notorious for those recent Vegas attacks. I thought this was worth noting. Quoting Reuters, the problems began last week after hackers gained access to Change Healthcare's information technology systems and has led to disruptions at pharmacies across the United States. Alphabet's cybersecurity unit Mandiant is handling the investigation into the breach, the two people said. In a statement, Mandiant confirmed it, quote, has been engaged in support of the incident response but declined to comment further. Black Cat is one of the most notorious of the internet's many ransomware gangs, groups of cyber criminals who encrypt data to hold it hostage with the aim of securing massive payouts. It has previously struck major businesses, including MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment. In December, Black Cat was the subject of a takedown by U.S.-led international law enforcement, which sees several websites used by the group as well as hundreds of digital keys used to decrypt victims' data. The hackers had threatened to retaliate by extorting critical infrastructure providers and hospitals. CISA, the U.S. Cyber Watchdog Agency, and the FBI also did not immediately respond to emails seeking comment. One expert said the news suggested that digital disruptions, while important, could not be counted on to knock ransomware groups out for good. It's inevitable that if you have a group that's making millions of bucks, they're going to attempt to make a comeback said Brett Callow, a threat analyst at the cybersecurity firm MSISoft. The allegation that Black Cat was behind the hack at Change Healthcare also raises questions about parent company United Health's previous claim that it had been targeted by a, quote, suspected nation-state-associated cybersecurity threat actor. I am not aware of any links between Black Hat, also known as ALF-V, and a nation-state, Callow said. As far as I'm aware, they are financially motivated cybercriminals and nothing more, end quote. Netflix has confirmed that it has started removing Apple iTunes billing for longtime subscribers and now requires them to pay directly on its website. Quoting The Verge, It's been a good run for anyone who signed up before Netflix stopped accepting subscriptions through Apple's payment system. One person indicated today on X that they'd kept the same streaming services, old $9.99 price for years. Alas, if you're like that person, you'll now have to join the rest of us and either accept a more than $5 price hike for essentially the same plan you've had for years, or pay $3 less than you have been and let the ads wash over you. Or you could take the time to reflect on your relationship with streaming services, which seem to get pricier all the time. The change is the end of a long saga. Despite Apple adding in-app subscription options to iPhones in 2010, Netflix didn't add them to its iOS app until 2015 because it was opposed to Apple's 30% cut. In late 2018, Netflix decided it didn't want to pay Apple at all, dropping in-app subscriptions entirely, and it never looked back." End quote. Quick check-in with some pandemic-era high flyers. 
Hopin, the virtual event startup once valued at $7.75 billion back in 2021, has entered liquidation for its UK parent company as it moves its HQ to Delaware in the United States. Quoting Sifted, when Hopin raised its $400 million Series C at a $5.65 billion valuation, it became Europe's fastest-growing startup ever. And the fund didn't stop there. In August 2021, it raised a $450 million Series D at a $7.75 billion valuation, cashing in on a pandemic-fueled interest in virtual events technology as the whole world sat in lockdown. Its investors were an all-star cast, including Andreessen Horowitz, General Catalyst, IVP, Co2, DFJ Growth, North Zone, Salesforce Ventures, Tiger Global, Seed Camp, and Accel. But as one of the company's very first investors, Seed Camp's Reshma Sahoni, told Sifted last year, all that funding was perhaps too much for Hopin's own good. There was a lot of capital that went in, and neither the company nor the market were ready for that. When you get too much too fast too quickly, it's a pretty challenging recipe, Sahoni told the Sifted podcast. Last year, the company sold off some of its assets, including its original product, the Hopin Events Platform, to California-based Ring Central for a reported $50 million. At the same time, its founder, Johnny Borfarhat, stepped down as CEO, although Hopin continued to operate several of its remaining assets, including live streaming platform StreamYard, end quote. Meanwhile, Zoom reported Q4 revenue up 2.6% year-over-year to $1.15 billion, which was greater than analysts were expecting. Enterprise revenue was up 4.9% to $667.3 million, and the company announced a $1.5 billion stock buyback. Zoom's shares jumped more than 10% after hours. I guess the lesson here is that even if we're not all living on Zoom anymore, at least this was a business that had broken through, even without the pandemic's unusual circumstances. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. 
They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Yesterday, there were oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court of the United States about the so-called net choice laws passed in Texas and Florida regulating social media content. Quoting The Verge, the cases Moody versus NetChoice and NetChoice versus Paxton deal with the constitutionality of laws created in Florida and Texas, respectively. Though there are some differences between the two laws, both essentially limit the ability of large online platforms to curate or ban content on their sites, seeking to fight what lawmakers claim are rules that suppress conservative speech. This fight has reached the Supreme Court level in part because an appeals court in Florida declared that state's version of the law unconstitutional, while a separate appeals court allowed the Texas law to stand, creating a legal rift. The law's opponents warned that a ruling for the states could force social media companies to carry lawful but awful speech, like Nazi rhetoric or medical misinformation, which would likely repel a wide swath of users. Rather than offend users, critics argue platforms may choose to block whole categories of discussion around topics like race to avoid legal blowback. It's not just big social media platforms that are concerned about the effects of the laws, The nonprofit that runs Wikipedia and individual Reddit moderators have worried that they might need to fundamentally change how they operate or face new legal threats. More traditional publishers have warned that a ruling in the state's favor could undercut their First Amendment rights as well. But even some opponents of the law's fear that a broad ruling for net choice could hobble any future attempts to regulate a powerful industry. These cases are about the future of public discourse online, says Scott Wilkins, senior counsel at the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University, and the extent to which that public discourse serves democracy, end quote. Indeed, Meta, TikTok, and even Axe join forces to argue against the laws. How did that go? Well, justices seemed reluctant to strike down the two states' social media laws, but raised concerns about companies' First Amendment rights. Quoting Bloomberg, The U.S. Supreme Court struggled to find a middle ground on the application of free speech principles to the internet as the justices reviewed Republican-backed laws that would sharply restrict the editorial discretion of the largest social media companies. Hearing arguments for almost four hours Monday in Washington, members from across the court's ideological spectrum suggested reluctance to completely strike down new laws in Texas and Florida, as trade groups representing Meta, Facebook, and Alphabet are seeking. But a majority of justices also expressed concern about how the law's core provisions would apply to decisions to take down hate speech and misinformation and block users who don't comply with the platform's terms of service. Those competing instincts left the court as a whole unsure how to handle cases that Justice Amy Coney Barrett said had, quote, a bunch of landmines that might have unforeseen implications down the road. 
The court, which is likely to issue an opinion by June, could stop short of deciding the fate of the laws by sending them back to the lower courts. Both laws are currently on hold. Companies say the laws would impose onerous requirements and put sites at risk of being overrun by spam and bullying. Supporters of the laws, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Texas Governor Greg Abbott, say they are needed to prevent discrimination against conservative voices. The laws were enacted in part as a response to decisions by some platforms to oust former President Donald Trump after the January 6, 2021 Capitol attack." End quote. Finally today, an interesting raise. I feel like somebody takes a run at doing something like this every few years. Laps is a photo app that makes users wait to share unedited pictures as they are, quote, developed, sort of like old school film. They've raised a $30 million Series A, sources say at a $150 million valuation, quoting TechCrunch. It can cost a fortune in 2024 to find an analog camera, buy film and maybe special batteries for it, and take pictures that then need to be paid to be developed. Yet the experience had a charm and a simplicity to it. For those longing for those old days, a startup called Laps has been giving smartphone users an alternative. You take pictures that you have to wait to see developed with no chance of editing and retaking before sharing them with a select group of friends if you choose. Laps has been gaining some traction in the market, claiming millions of users, 100 million photos captured each month, and a coveted consistent top 10 ranking in the U.S. App Store for photographic apps. Now it's announcing a new round of funding of $30 million to take its ambitions to the next level. Greylock, the storied consumer app investor that was an early backer of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn, co-led the round with the equally iconic DST Global Partners. Previous backers GV, Octopus Ventures, and Speed Invest also participated, following on from a previous $12.4 million raised in seed and pre-seed funding back in 2021. This brings the total to just over $42 million and a valuation of around $150 million, according to to sources. Lapse's plans include more behind-the-scenes treatment of the unedited photos, adding more features around the photo experience, and an eventual move into video. Down the line, there may even be some monetization, CEO and co-founder Dan Silverton said in an interview. Although that's not something it's touched yet, it's looking to get away from the usual route that social apps take by leaning into advertising. The feeling and early hypothesis is to not do that, he said, end quote. Laps did get some criticism, I should note, for growth hacks that essentially forced you to invite five of your friends before you could even start using the app. Not sure how they got anyone to do that, but I guess it worked. I believe I forgot to mention last week that it was the 10th anniversary of me releasing my first ever podcast episode, the first episode of the Internet History Podcast. So I've officially been a podcaster for a decade now. In a couple of weeks, it'll be the sixth anniversary of this show, so I've been a professional podcaster for six years. Hopefully I'll remember to mark that one. March 5th, I believe. Somebody remind me. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.